2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is part 11 of our study. Part 11 of our, of our study through the book of 2 Timothy. Um, if you've been here with us, uh, you may remember much of the introduction and what I'm about to say. If you don't have a very good memory or have a hard time retaining things like I, I do... You need to understand this about the story that the Apostle Paul is writing this between 64 and 67 AD that the timeline significant because Nero is the emperor of Rome and it's not exactly the ideal person you would want being the leader of the free world, if you could call it that. And unlike his first Roman imprisonment occurring between 60 and 62 AD, which was really more of a house arrest, here at this time, he is in a Roman dungeon, a Roman prison. It, it's, it's a very bleak situation. It's an undesirable situation, to say the least. And this letter has often been referred to as Paul's last will and testament. For shortly after he writes it, he'll be executed um, and martyred for his faith. So that's, that's the backdrop. That's, that's the, the temperature, the tone of this story. He's writing, the recipient is Timothy, who he has mentored and discipled. He's loved Timothy as a young pastor, pastoring at the church of Ephesus, which is modern-day western Turkey. And Timothy's at a point right now where I think a lot of us come to at certain times and places, a, a low point. Well, he's at a low point right now. Some of you, you're at a low point. Spiritually, you're just struggling. You're just trying to keep your head above water. It's difficult. That's, that, can, that can happen. It can happen to a pastor. That can happen to anyone. And so he's writing this letter to Timothy to encourage him to keep going. He's writing this letter to Timothy to encourage him to persevere in the faith, no matter, no matter what. I say no matter what because the Christian life is very difficult. It's very, very hard. If anybody told you otherwise, they've seriously misled you. We need to understand that like being a Christian's hard. We we do people an injustice and a disservice by not properly preparing them for the challenges that we face as a Christian. And there are many. And so Timothy's at a low point. Many of you, maybe some of you are at a low point. Some of you, you may be at a low point. This is Christmas break for many of you. And I imagine that for many of you, it's no break at all. I imagine many of you in here, you kind of dread the thought of leaving, having to leave. Because going home isn't home for many of you. So what do we do? attempt to answer. What do we do when we hit those low points? I think that at the very least, if you understand the theme of this story, is you don't stay there. You keep going. You keep going. So that's where we pick up today. This is part 11, and, and all these sermons are online, lynchburgcitychurch.com, on SoundCloud. If you've missed some of them, they're there the exception of one, which had some audio problems, never made it, and it has been lost to history. 
But we pick up in verse 14. It's a well-known passage today, but hopefully we can really squeeze something more out of it. We pick up in verse 14. He says this, But as for you, speaking to Timothy here, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Let's stop there. Stop there. Don't want to read this too fast. The word continue here, it means to hold on to. It means to remain. So continue, we're going to hold on to, we're going to remain. Or we're going to continue, which works well since that's the word. We're going to continue. I love this word here. It's it's well placed and it really feeds into this narrative of this entire story of persevering in the faith. No matter what. Right? Continue to, to keep going. Even when you hit those low points. Even when it feels like you got stuck. Just keep going. Keep going. Keep battling. I want you to do this, Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and what you've believed. Or, in other words, he's admonishing him that unlike the evil men and imposters mentioned early on in chapter 3, you need to keep going. And they're not, because they don't think they're really saved. But you are, so keep going. And if you've forgotten about those people, these are people in Timothy's church. We often refer to them as, as hypocrites. And, and sometimes I think as Christians, we can have moments where we act hypocritical. But that's not the issue here early on in chapter 3. If you remember... People say, oh, Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites. Honestly, I think in many of those situations, those people aren't actually Christians at all. And that's not because as Christians we're somehow perfect or free from error. No, but as for you, or (laughs) unlike these other guys, remember these other guys back in chapter 3, I'll read real briefly, verse 2, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They have the appearance of godliness. Don't you love that? They have the appearance of godliness. They're like whitewashed tombs, right? If that. Externally, yeah, they can maybe look a little pretty on the outside, throw on a Bible verse when they need to on their Instagram or Facebook or whatever, but there's nothing remotely godly about them. They oppose the truth. They oppose the truth, just as Janice and Jambres did. So unlike them, I want you to keep going. I want you to press forward. And the question is, is press forward in what? Well, in what you've learned and believed. Okay. Well, what is it that you've learned and believed? We keep asking questions, right? Every sentence we unpack it a little bit more. So what is it that he's learned and believed? Verse 15. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise. So I want you to continue in what you firmly believed, and what you've learned and firmly believed. So continue, continue in what? In what you've learned and believed. And what is that? It's the sacred writings. So if you draw on, if you like drawing your Bible and going from point to point to point to point, I'm just, I'm just following this, right? In the sacred writings. Now, contextually, this would have been the Old Testament. Would have been the Old Testament. And as someone whose mother was Jewish, as a Jewish background, he would have most likely 
since the time he was five years old, been taught Bible stories. Some of you, you were taught Bible stories from the time you were five years old. So it's not, that, it's not an information issue. It's a persevering issue. It's not he doesn't know the Bible stories, he doesn't know the things he's been taught. It's a, a keep going. You know him, keep going in what you've learned and what you've believed. Keep going. Keep going. Continue. Remain. Continue. Remain. We hit low points. We hit low points spiritually where, man, maybe it's been a lot of neglect for God, for the people of God, for the Word of God in our lives. Spiritually, that'll affect you. And sometimes it'll manifest itself in physical ways. The problem is, is not what happens if this happens to us. It's happening, I think, to Timothy a little bit. The problem is I find that many people, when they're finding themselves like, oh yeah, I really can relate to Timothy. The problem is, is that they seem to be totally content in staying there. They're in a rut. Some of you may feel like you're in a rut. But many of the people that I speak to that find themselves at this low point, in a rut, are totally content with just staying in the rut. To not continue in what Paul admonishes and instructs Timothy to do. I hear people say, well, you know, I really, just not really learning much. Not really learning much. Uh, where are you at spiritually? Ah, I'm not really learning much. Not learning much. So, I like to ask, well, when was the last time you opened your Bible? When was the last time you opened your Bible? We live in this very automated way. Like, I mean, it's one click, Amazon Prime, go, like this app, boom, it's already pre-ordered, like whatever. And so when it comes to this idea, we think sometimes, we might not verbalize it, but how we act, I think it suggested, we just expect it just to happen. Maybe it's an overemphasis of certain doctrines. It's like, okay, well, I'm saved. I'm secure. Praise God for the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, which I love. But sometimes, I think for many of us, that just, in our minds, creates a license to just coast, to just float in our spiritual lives, to not continue. People say, oh, I'm not really, not really learning anything. Oftentimes, our approach to church into this idea of continuing is completely backwards. I mean, so many people just use, I mean, parents use youth group as essentially free childcare. It's the pastor's job to disciple my kids. Youth pastor's job to disciple my kids. Um, says who? It's your job! Right? Or go to church on, on Sunday, or gather on Sunday with the people of God. Well, I'm not really learning anything. Right? The pastor hasn't really taught me anything. Whose responsibility is that you're learning and growing in your, in your walk with God? Now, pastor, yeah, there's, there's, 
pastors should be making disciples who make disciples. You should be making disciples who make disciples. According to 1 Timothy 3, the pastor has a unique job that he is able to teach. Okay, I don't mean tell funny stories for 35 minutes, but teach the Bible. Okay, So, so maybe, there, maybe there's a problem. There's a problem. Maybe, maybe he's not teaching. I find more often than not that, that that's not so much the issue. The issue is, is, when was the last time you picked up your Bible? Oh, last Sunday. Whose responsibility do you think it is to grow, to learn? It's your responsibility to grow, to learn. And many of us treat it like this way that like, huh, I wonder why I haven't like, grown and learned. Like, man, I keep waiting for you know, Jesus to tell me something, right? Keep waiting for Jesus to call me. Yeah, but why do you say that when your phone's been off the whole time? I want to learn. I want to grow. When was the last time you opened your Bible? Not, not pass the responsibility off on someone else. Don't get me wrong. There's truths to say that the pastor's role is to teach. He should. And accurately and truthfully. There's elements of discipleship woven through those. Not because they're leaders in the church, but because they're followers of Jesus. I get that. Parents' job primarily to, to disciple their children. It's your job. You're responsible for your spiritual growth. You are. And so many of us just pass it off. And the only time we open this book is when you show up Sunday at 4:30. It's not good. It's not healthy. So we don't continue. Timothy, I want you to continue in what you've learned and firmly believe. Verse 14. Then verse 15, we discover what that is. It is the sacred writings, which he's been acquainted with. Acquainted with probably since the time he was five years old. I want you to continue in those things. That's the problem. We don't continue. We abandon the sacred writings. We abandon the teachings of the Bible. Like, when was the last time you spent quality time with God? Pursuing God through prayer. Reading the Bible. I was having a conversation 45 minutes ago about hearing God. You guys, how many of you guys in here would like to hear the voice of God? So like 75, 80%, okay? You want to hear God's voice? Come on. I love Piper quotes. Here's a Piper quote. You want to hear the voice of God? Read your Bible out loud. Read it out loud. It's more than just words on a page. But for so many of us, we've gotten to that point, maybe spiritually, where we're just dry, where we're in this rut. And that's all it seems like, is it just his words on a page? <laughs> it's way more than that. When we're reading this out loud, you're not hearing Joe Decreon's voice. Yes, in a sense, you're hearing the very words of God. But we don't continue. 
as Paul admonishes Timothy to continue, we abandon the sacred writings, we abandon the Bible, we don't open the Bible. And let me just point this out. You might not want me to, but I feel like I should. It is perhaps the most arrogant, most prideful thing. It is. To say, I don't need to open my Bible today. It's like saying, I'm in the army. I'm over in Afghanistan. Just leave, leave our rifles here. We don't need to take our rifles with us on patrol today. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> that's what you'd say. But that's not what we say. We have an excuse for just about everything. It is arrogant. It is prideful. Why do I read my Bible? Because I need to read my Bible. You don't think you need the Bible? And every day Satan's attacking you? And every day Satan's accusing you? And every day Satan's lying to you? You don't think you need that? You don't think you need to be pumping truth in as quick as you possibly can? You don't think you need to be memorizing God's word as quick as you possibly can? Oh, but we do. We desperately need God. And that's why I say it's the peak of arrogance to say, ah, no, I'm good. (laughs) I'm good? You think so, Mr. or Mrs. Self-Sufficient? No. Don't, don't, don't ignore his, his call to Timothy, his encouragement for Timothy, his admonition for Timothy. Timothy, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. It's good to be needy for God. Not so much maybe in other relationships. You could say that's dysfunctional or codependent. There's one relationship it's, it's okay to be needy in. It's your relationship with God. To need him and cling to him. For have you not heard that it was said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's a good Jesus quote right there. It's good to be needy for him. But why? Why? Let's, let's answer these questions, right? I want you to continue to remain in, to hold on to what you've learned, what you firmly believed with these sacred writings. But why? Number one, number one, because you know, you know the, the people that have taught this to you. Verse 14, you throw it on the screen. And you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Knowing from whom you learned it. That's the first reason why we should continue in holding on. To the words of God? Because, Timothy, you know your mom. You know your grandma. They love Jesus. You know the type of person they are. You know what their character is like. You know the people that taught you this word. That's why you should continue. You know your mom, your youth pastor, whoever it was that first introduced you to Jesus. You know the sort of person they are or that they were so continue second reason he says 
Verse 15. These sacred writings, verse 15, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Second reason that you should continue is because it makes you wise. I want to be wise. I don't want to be a fool. I want to be wise. I hope you guys want to be wise too. There's enough foolish people out there. But it makes you wise. Wise for what? Wise for salvation. It's not that these words somehow save you in a a mystical sense, but rather these words point you, lead you to salvation in Jesus Christ through faith. That's what it does. That's how it makes you wise. It, It makes you wise and it points you to these massive realities. I was talking to a soldier today. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Well, sort of. What do you mean, sort of? Well, after your sermons, I just am left with all these questions. Okay. All right, well, let's start with just one of them. Well, like, why did Jesus have to come? Season of Advent, Jesus came. Why, why did he have to come? I said, why, why do you think he had to come? I really don't know. Sometimes we think everybody knows. A lot of people don't. Many people don't. Why did Jesus have to come? Jesus had to come because Jesus came to die. Jesus came to to be fully God, fully man, live a perfect life, born of the Virgin Mary, die a sacrificial death on the cross for us, buried three days later, rise from the grave, conquering sin and death. Why? Why? Why do we need that? Because we're not good. Of course, he says, I'm pretty good. That's what you think. I said, we're, we're not good. We're, we're sinful, and we've broken God's law. You might, you might be a good person. I told him, I said, but by God's standard, God's standard is so high because God is so holy. And we just, I, we don't just imagine that. We, we have a hard time thinking of that because this is a society in which everybody is a winner. And so when we look in the mirror, we much more like to see ourselves on the scale between, I don't know, like Jonah Hill and Shannon Tatum, more like Shannon Tatum. In reality, we're much more like Jonah Hill. Like, we're not like all that. We just aren't all that by any means whatsoever. But we, we, we just see ourselves this way. We don't, so we, we don't see the need for a Savior. I'm a good person, he told me. So I told him Isaiah 64, 6, even our most righteous works are like filthy rags. Filthy rags. If you've been here before, you know what filthy rags means in the original Hebrew language. Rags that women would use during their menstrual cycle to conduct personal hygiene. <laughs> yeah, Isaiah is being graphic intentionally to say the very best that you could give to God are like these lady products that have been used already. I told him that and he began to see, I think, I hope, perhaps himself, maybe for the very first time, a little bit differently. That's why we need a Savior. The reason we should continue, that second reason is in continuing in the Scriptures, they make us wise. It is they lead us, they introduce us to Jesus in a saving way through faith alone. And the third reason why we should continue in what we've learned and what we've believed is because Scripture is from God. And that's a good enough reason in and of itself. The Bible's from God. And it's beneficial. 
And I like things that are beneficial. You throw up verse 16. All scriptures breathed out by God, the apneustos. I don't know a whole lot of Greek words. That's one I remember. Literally, <sighs> breathed out by God himself. Now, it's true. Each Bible story, letter, book, it has its own author. Its own author has, has its own unique personality. And oftentimes, you'll see that come through in the writings. I always think that's super interesting. But even though... Paul is writing this, even though there's other authors writing the scriptures, they are being led and influenced and carried along by God. If you grew up in the church or you went to Liberty for more than one semester, you've probably heard this verse before. It's not necessarily anything new, but hopefully you'll see it for uh, perhaps in a, in a more thorough way, a more thorough understanding. Scripture's ultimately from God. That's why you should continue in what you've believed and what you've heard and what you've been taught since you were just a little dude. It's why, because ultimately it's from God and it's beneficial. Which raises the question, of course, how is it beneficial? How is it beneficial? It's beneficial or it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I, uh, I'm not the best reader. I read really slowly. Three, sometimes four minutes it takes me to read a page. It, it's really frustrating. And so when I, I read things like this, it's really easy for me just to, to breeze right over it. Okay, just some list. I think we need to ask the question, okay, is this list describing four different things or is this list trying to say one thing three different ways? I think it's trying to say one thing three different ways. It's, it's beneficial. It's profitable. Why? For teaching. okay. That's kind of vague. What do you mean teaching? And what we'll see here from teaching, we'll see a threefold, a threefold kind of approach in this matter with reproof, correction, and training. So when I say teaching, this is what I mean. If you see some go in the wrong direction, okay, maybe someone just got here from England. They should know better. They really should. But they're driving on the wrong side of the road, and for whatever reason, they think it's okay. Problem. Little bit. Problem. Okay? They need to be taught. They need teaching. I mean, just practically speaking with that illustration, it's okay, yeah, teaching's beneficial. Oh, but so much more than just that. You see someone going the wrong way. They think they're going the right way. They need to be taught. You see a young lady, a friend of yours, and she's wearing some clothes that are just way, 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 way out of bounds. Okay, And maybe she thinks that wearing those clothes are totally okay for someone who is a follower of Christ. She should be taught. She should be taught. And I don't mean like, well, like maybe if you ask these five girls, they'd say it's okay. If you ask these five girls, they'd say, no, it's not okay. I mean, it's like clearly like it's out of bounds. Out of bounds. Not even close. Just out of bounds. She should be taught. You get a young man and he's, he's really thirsty. And I don't mean that he's dehydrated. <laughs> he's thirsty, right? And every single young lady that comes in, 
He's like, yo, girl, give me your number. I mean, I mean, every single time. He thinks maybe from his background, he thinks that's totally fine to act like that. With an interaction that, I mean, some of you, you know people like this. It's like, my one friend, it's just any cute girl that he sees, he's just, boom, making a beeline for her and spitting his game. Okay. Needs to be taught, right? Hey, how you're coming off could be perceived by kind of weird. By who? I don't know, everybody. (laughs) Don't do that. Like, I mean, give her a chance to, like, you know, maybe, maybe talk to her after she's been here for more than, like, I don't know, three minutes. (laughs) Intermission is my favorite part of the service. Wow, I get to holler at all the honeys, right? So, no, no, no. Help people, right? Help people. We want to help people. And those are just impractical ways, right? But I think more so what Timothy, or excuse me, what Paul has in mind for Timothy is much more than that. You see someone going the wrong way. Right? They're going the wrong way. They think it's the right way. It's the wrong way. I think contextually, this is probably where it gets the most like in line of what Paul's thinking. Though I think the other two examples I gave could easily be applications here. Someone is believing things they shouldn't be believing. I am living my best life now because I read a really famous book by a pastor who said I could. Or, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. What do they need? They need to be taught. They need to be taught. This is where teaching comes in. Regardless of what illustration, the, the, the last illustration is probably the, most, probably the one that Paul had in mind. They need to be taught. So, so what do we do? We say, well, excuse me, Mr. Joel Osteen fan. Uh, that's wrong. Okay? That's wrong. That's called reproof. See reproof? That's reproof. When we tell them that they're wrong, that's, that's called reproof. But we don't just stop there. Okay, you see someone going the wrong way? They think it's the right way? Hey, you're going the wrong way. And then just walk away. I mean, how beneficial is that? Simply just reproof and reproof along. Well, what do they need? They need correction. You're going the wrong way. You think it's the right way. Hey, you're going the wrong way. Oh, I'm going the wrong way. Yeah, this is the right way. Correction. This is the way you need to go. Young lady, those are clothes you shouldn't wear. Why not? Because a bikini bottom would probably show more modesty than the shorts you have on right now. This is is the way I'm going, right? You shouldn't be going that way. Why? Because the Bible's really clear that we're not saved by good works. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. So we, we, we use teaching, Right? teaching, they need to be taught, reproof, they need to be corrected, they need to be told they're wrong in correction. We need to point them in the right way. These are the sort of clothes that you should wear. This is how you should socially interact with people of the opposite sex. Okay? Weirdo? God, give me patience sometimes is my prayer. These are the sort of things that we should believe. 
Right? I'm not saying like, okay, and when I say these are sort of things I'm, we should believe, this is not like controversial things, right? These are things that's like, even like Catholics would acknowledge among Protestants. I mean, just way, way, way out there, for starters. And we go from there. And, and this is what we do. We, we correct them, right? We correct them. And from correction flows training in righteousness, where we're helping them, right? Hey, you're going the wrong way. Boom. Correction. This is the way you need to be going. Gotcha. And let me show you how to get there. Because odds are no one's ever done that. For many people, why are they weird? No one's taken the time to talk to them, to, to teach them. Why do they believe those crazy things about the Bible that aren't in the Bible? Because no one's taken the time to teach them. They'd be taught this is training in righteousness. This is training in righteousness. And what does it all flow out of? It all flows out of Scripture. Scripture's pretty beneficial. I mean, from the practical weird person lacking social skills to the person whose theology is leading them to the, to the gates of hell. That's beneficial. It's profitable. And verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, when I say every good work here, this isn't like a legalistic thing, like you've got to do good things, right? You've got to read your Bible, you've got to pray, you've got to be at every church service, every small group gathering, every whatever. This isn't, this isn't legalistic mantra, like a slogan or something that just has to be repeated. Rather, these good works, these good works are the results of that training in righteousness. These good works flow, come as the result of the training in righteousness. They flow from faith, ultimately. Like, not as a means to somehow get God's favor, because a lot of people say, oh, training in righteousness, or training in righteousness, and then the man of God may be complete for every good work. Good works, you gotta do good works. We, we're not doing good works to somehow get God's favor, guys. We're, we're not. It's very Catholic theology. You do good works, you earn God's favor. You have to have God's favor before you can do something to sort of earn it. And he gives it freely upon us. So we think about the story. Think about the narrative, okay? <coughs> Timothy? Timothy? There are sacred writings. You know the sacred writings. You've been taught the sacred writings since you were just a little guy. And they make us wise. And they make us wise in that it points us to salvation in Christ. It tells us how we can be saved. And oh, by the way, it makes us wise because it has the ability, this book has the ability to equip us for real life changes. And those real life changes come from the training in righteousness. And from that comes these good works. And these good works, these good works give evidence that we have the salvation that he speaks of in verse 15. That the sacred writings make us wise in salvation, that it leads us to it. You look at an apple tree, how do you know it's an apple tree? It has apples. You look at a pear tree, how do you know it's a pear tree? It has pears. You look at this person, they love Jesus. How do you know? So evident. So evident. It's not that they're perfect, not that they don't make mistakes. They love Jesus. They really love Jesus. Is that what people would say about you? Are those good works 
like hanging off your branches like fruit on a fruit tree, giving evidence that you truly are that fruit tree, that you truly are a Christian, that you've truly been made wise by the sacred writings in verse 15 that lead us to salvation. Here's the thing. We have a book. A book. We've got a book. But it's not an ordinary book. The book's been given by God. The book makes us wise through its teachings. And the teachings lead us to salvation. The teachings introduce us to Jesus. And it is through that salvation, through the faith which leads to salvation, that ultimately equips us for every good work. And comes the training in righteousness. Comes growing in maturity in this area of my life. Okay? Those are areas where I need to grow in, right? Maybe it's how I interact with people. Maybe it's in what I wear. Maybe it's in my theology. Maybe it's in this other area. Training in righteousness. I'm being trained in righteousness. Yes, I'm, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm familiar with those sacred writings which have introduced me and led me to Jesus. But oh, by the way, there's a whole lot of other benefits that come from it. Therefore, continue. Continue, Timothy. We all hit those spiritually low points in our lives. I'm not trying to put anyone down at all if you're in a rough place right now, if you're in a rut. But the problem is, is don't be okay with staying there. Don't be okay with where you're at. Whether it's the sort of movies that you watch, or music you listen, or clothes you wear, or whatever it is. Many people like to say, well, I just don't want to really dig any deeper in the Bible on this theological issue. I'll just know when I get to heaven. There's truth in there, but that's also an incomplete sentence. I'd say an incomplete thought, because oftentimes people say, oh, I just want to do that, so I want to be lazy, so I don't actually have to open my Bible in the first place to study and show myself as a legit worker, one approved before God with no need to be ashamed, rightly handling God's word. Therefore, continue, guys, continue. Continue. Don't stop looking at this book. You need this book. You need the words in this book. The words in this book point us to a Savior and remind us of who that Savior is. The words in this book tell us more about who God is. Remind us more about who God is. He is breathtakingly beautiful. He is magnificently awesome. And so many of you have this really tiny, little, pathetic view of who He is. He's so much bigger. He's so much greater. He's so much more awesome. And you're missing the opportunity to be wowed and captivated by the King. Not because He's not wowing or captivating. Because you have abandoned the sacred writings and you're not continuing. As the band comes, I'd like to pray for us.
We're going to take communion in a few moments. We take communion a little bit differently here at Lynchburg City Church. If you're a Christian, I don't mean a Christian, I mean you're a Christian. Jesus is both Savior and Lord of your life. He is your greatest treasure, your greatest delight. We'd welcome you to take communion with us. We'd welcome you to take the bread and the juice when you're ready. But I would also caution you, as Paul does so in 1 Corinthians 11, that you don't come to the back before you're ready. If, if you need to talk to the Lord about certain things going on in your life, you talk to Him. This is not a rush. This is not a, we're trying to get done with the service as quickly as we can. We're trying to worship God in spirit and truth as accurately as possible. That's, that's what we're trying to do here. In Corinth, many of the people were taking communion in an unworthy manner. And because of that, God killed some of them. I don't want God killing anyone today for that reason. So when you're ready, you come, and the leaders will be back there to serve you the elements. But when you're ready, when you're ready, we love you, Jesus, because you first loved us. And I pray that you would help us to continue, to persevere, to keep going. God, some of us just discouragement after discouragement after discouragement. We're just pounded into the ground in this rut and we need your help, Jesus. It's hard sometimes to just open our Bible during the middle of the week. Like some of us, God, I think if we're being honest, there are times where we flat out just don't desire you. Help us not to be okay. Help us not to be content with staying at that point. Help us not to abandon the sacred writings the words of God. God, help us to continue. Help us to keep going. Not because we're, we're really strong and we're awesome, but because you're really strong and you're really awesome. We need your help, Jesus. I need your help. We need your help. And we just ask, Lord, we ask that you would give us a desire for you, that you would give us a love for you, that you'd give us a love for for your people, the church, and that you would give us a love for your word and that we would remember it, that we would hold on to it, and that we would share it with others. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.